previously on the Heroic Origins Podcast. Ishraq was an ancient astronomer hailed for his ingenious manipulation of glass and light, but his ingenuity was also his downfall. One telescopic experiment changed his life when he was bathed in cosmic radiation, transforming him into an invisible crystal creature as fragile as glass. For years, he lashed out as an assassin, a villain, a vengeful ghost. But it came with unforeseen consequences. At times, his body lay shattered for decades, but death never came. Every slow regeneration of his form crystallized his purpose in life. And now, as Highline the Unseen, he and his team of adventurers shine the light of justice on evildoers everywhere. We need new hope. We need new inspiration. New powers. New abilities. New names. New faces. New champions of what's true and what's right. Welcome to the Heroic Origins Podcast. Hey, True Conceivers. Welcome back to the Heroic Origins Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Terrence. And we're just two comic book nerds doing what we love to do. Make up new superheroes. And we just got done with six episodes of brainstorming new characters. Now we're uh, coming to the end of season one. But don't cry, Hero Smiths, because we're going to be doing something a bit bigger than all of those episodes combined. Or is it bigger than all of those episodes combined? It is all of those episodes combined. It'll be bigger and smaller all at the same time. But let's let's talk about that in a bit there. Let's let's actually let's let's take care of business from uh from last week. We have a couple revisions that we wanted to make about our uh character Highline. One thing is we we realized we weren't sure if he was transparent or truly invisible. What was he, you know, was it something that if you just splash some mud on him, does he become visible again? Does it just undo his power? Um and we decided to split the difference to say that he was both. <laughs> that he's basically in in the crystalline structure, he's He's transparent, um, but but the crystalline structure actually allows him to bend light so that he becomes truly invisible. So on the one hand, he's so he's, he's a man made of glass, basically. He yeah. can bend light around himself. That's so right. he's he's at best he's he's as visible as a pane of glass. That's right. But he can he can become truly invisible. Um, we also talked about we had talked about armor last time and and. We, I think we, we kind of agreed that he can create structures slowly with his crystalline form. He's able to regenerate or generate crystals. Uh, but we decided that uh, that the armor that he can create is kind of breakaway armor so that it's built with multiple layers. Each layer is fragile, but it'll absorb the complete impact of something. So if he has like three layers in his armor or if it's a shield of some sort, then – It'll take the full-on impact of something, no matter how powerful, but it'll only shatter one layer. And then he'll have two more layers that can kind of defend him. But each individual layer is pretty fragile in its own right. We also uh, talked about an arch enemy um, that we've got a really cool name for. I like this. His name is Midnight Diamond, uh, the uh, business-type man who co-opted Highline's powers. And his abilities would be that he absorbs light and heat. And that makes him super durable. But when he's in the dark, 
he doesn't get to absorb that light to make him durable. He becomes just as fragile as Highline, and he also becomes just as invisible because he's he's got a black uh, ebony uh, type of complexion. We we also decided that he leads a team of adventurer scientists. He's not just a solo character. He's kind of um, uh, we we talked a bit about that TV show, The Librarians. I don't know uh, how many of you have seen that. But it's this, it's a bunch of academics who go uh, chasing after artifacts and whatnot, trying to keep them from evil folks. So there's, uh, so he's part of a team like that, which, which is, gives him something in common with the anomaly. Anomaly was our character from episode five, and he was kind of we were we we were thinking of him as kind of an Indiana Jones type of character, and uh, he's an antiquarian. He goes ser- searching for uh, artifacts that are uh, powerful and dangerous, and puts them in a museum and uh, keeps them safe. And so these guys kind of do that as well, but more on an earthly level. So there's so they're, a, they're a team of adventurers. They are confiscating, you know, dangerous products, artifacts everywhere. And they have, you know, the glass ghost as their aid, who's also, you know, a font of knowledge of history and all of the artifacts that they're looking for, which I thought was a pretty cool combo. That is a cool combo. That is a cool combo. We also did some updates to uh, Joystick, our character from Episode 2. We decided that, you know, if you remember, we we didn't have his powers all worked out at the end of the episode. So uh, what we've come up with is that he has a a two-part digitization ray. And what it does is it, uh, it fires a blast at somebody. It kind of stuns them and then sort of turns them into a grid which is basically mapping them out. And then he has to shoot another beam at them to save them onto a series of floppy disks. So uh, that's how he captures his foes. Uh, And it makes a loud modem sound while uploading the criminals. Uh, (laughs) And it has that state-of-the-art 1980s technology. That's right. That's right. And then... um, he also uh, plugs into the arcade console that originally uh, was part of his origin, one of the reasons why he turned into uh, a cyborg. And he can use it as uh, – well, in, on, the one, on the one hand, he can use it as a, uh, as a flying uh, chair, basically, where he has a joystick and a little rollerball or whatever. But he just – he can use it – it's a video game console that he can fly around and, and, and use it as a, as a vehicle. But when he lands – it turns into kind of an exoskeleton. So he still has use of those tools uh, even when he's on the ground. So that, that that's some updates that we, we came up with. So that takes care of our housekeeping, but we also got some fan feedback. As you know, we now have social media sites. We have uh, our Facebook page. We have Instagram. You, we're also on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And our email, of course, is heroicpod at gmail.com. And we got a little bit of uh, feedback from uh, some of our fans. Okay, so first up, we heard a little bit of feedback about Penny Wonderful from episode one. Our One of our listeners, by the name of Tracy, says, maybe she needed a real name that we perhaps neglected to give her. And she offered up the name of Penelope Fortune. As her powers end up being good fortune, bad fortune... And when she gets into the future, she takes up the name of Penny Wonderful. 
there's a Marvel character called Dominic Fortune. Uh, I think he's also from that era. That's, uh, but I, that, that's, that's, I like that. I like that idea. So we also got some feedback from uh, James, who sent us an email uh, about episode two, the joystick episode. It says, seems obvious to me that the nemesis of joystick would be the hacker. Oblivious to modern day hacking ability, joystick gets back into the game and is thwarted from time to time by the by his arch nemesis, the hacker. He also says that he has some ideas for the coin collector, uh, drawing up a coin collector, who we haven't really fleshed out that well. Oh, he also has a couple other names for villains. One would be the Game Master, or this one I particularly like, the Cybertronic Truth. That's actually a really cool name. <laughs> That's a really cool name. Uh, I also got some feedback on Facebook. Uh, this fellow Troy said, lots of fun. Listen to all three. So we've gotten all three episodes. We have four episodes up now. But, of course, by the time you're listening to this, we'll have uh, six, seven episodes up. So <laughs> so please, we, we do want you all to write in and, and give us some feedback. If nothing else, send us some uh, messages on heroicpod at gmail.com. But we'd love feedback at either uh, Facebook or Instagram. And if you have any artwork that you want to share with us, any of your concepts of how you think the characters should look we'd love to see that as well right right so today for our format we're going to do something a little bit different first we're going to talk about all of our characters we're going to do a review of all of our season's characters then we're going to take a little break do our superhero sidebar and then we're going to discuss some of the connections that these characters have and start coming up with ideas on how this crossover event is going to happen now let the recap begin In episode one, we had the time-displaced Penny Wonderful, a teenage orphan pickpocket with an unreliable magic coin. We last saw her running from Chicago riot cops after wishing for a flashbang slingshot. In episode two, we met the former 80s hero, Joystick, long since retired, but now using his cybernetic powers to fight white-collar crime. Recent signs of a dystopian future are making him consider strapping on the old arcade game console once again. In episode three, we discovered the delectable Saucier Supreme, an instructor at L'Arc de Ciel restaurant and cooking school, who trains students to be gore mages in the world of culinary sorcery. She also seeks to feed those who hunger, both for food and for meaning. Episode four, we uncovered the schizophrenic baker's dozen. 13 gore mages in training crammed into six bodies after an attempt to cheat at a magical cooking competition. The Baker, Dough Puncher, Cookie Cutter, Burner, The Mixer, and Fungi, a.k.a. The Beast from the Yeast, now reside in an urban food desert waiting to cause mayhem amongst the mystical food circuit. Disguised as the charming host of a Japanese antique show in Episode 5, the alien antiquarian Anomaly can fold time and space inside himself and travel great distances in the blink of an eye. He now scours the Earth, looking to keep an artifact of great cosmic power from falling into the hands of a galactic empire. And of course, in episode six, we met the ancient astronomer Hyaline, rendered fragile, invisible, and immortal after being bathed in cosmic rays from a telescopic mishap. He now wanders the Earth trying to atone for his past sins. He leads a team of adventure scientists fighting arcane evils wherever they appear. There were other prominent characters that came up in several of the episodes, uh, most most prominent being the coin collector, 
She's the person who Penny Wonderful originally pickpocketed the coin, the magic coin from. Uh, but she's shows up in a lot of the different stories here. She's she's got a role in Joystick Story and Highline Story, um, and possibly possibly Anomaly's story as well. We also know that there is a robot from the future in Joy- Joystick's origin. And he was the one that came back and actually turned Joystick into a cyborg superhero so that he would be able to stop a dystopian future from ever coming to be. There was also the Farseer, who was the uh, antagonist of Anomaly in Episode 5, and he is a an antiquarian just like uh, Anomaly, but he works for an, the Evil Empire, which is out to gather these uh, artifacts for evil purposes. He's basically clairvoyant. He has remote viewing. He can detect things from large distances, but he can't travel as quickly as as Anomaly does. And episode six gave us one of my favorite, I guess, villain characters, just because his name is so awesome. We have Midnight Diamond, the businessman who co-opted the powers of our immortal crystal being and became the crystal being of himself in part with similar powers, but he isn't invisible and he isn't fragile. And we went into detail about him a little bit earlier. So those are the characters we have to work with. And right now we're going to take a quick break, have our superhero sidebar and meander a little bit. And then when we come back, we will have refreshed brains and we're going to start brainstorming uh, connections between these characters in ways that we can build a story right back after this. It's the Superhero Sidebar. What's our question for today, Dave? Well, uh, since we're talking about crossover events, uh, my, my question uh, was, what is your favorite crossover event? That's a hard one, because there are so many big events that, that really redefine define and redefine our comics universes. Well, Terrence, let me ask you this. Did, did you get – this was true for me. I, I got into comics, seriously got into comics. I mean I, I had been exposed to them before this. But, but it was really the Marvel Secret Wars that, that really got me going uh, full-time into comics. Is, is that similar with you or were you into it before that? I, I would say that, that definitely that exposed me to more characters. But I started reading – the books I started reading were those uh, Marvel team-ups where you had multiple characters coming together in the first place. So when you got to the Secret Wars, that just was like everybody, and that was amazing. It was a super team-up. Yeah, because I, yeah. I was like into G.I. Joe and Transformers. That's how I – and it was just – you know, they, they had some crossovers. I remember uh, Transformers had a had Spider-Man in an issue. <laughs> I'm not sure if G.I. <laughs> Joe ever – G.I. Joe crossed over with Transformers once. I was going to say, G.I. Joe seems like a natural crossover with the Transformers. Weren't they the same toy company? Yeah, exactly. So, But somehow, <laughs> somehow, yeah, I remember getting uh, getting roped up in, in Secret Wars and just uh, that was the, the most significant one probably in my consumption of superheroes. But it it's not really that great. I think objectively it is not a very good crossover. It, it's It's okay. <laughs> I thought that it had a lot of, I mean, the original Secret Wars, so we have to be clear, because there have been other Secret, there was Secret Wars 2, and then there was another Secret Wars that, in a, I think 2015, that, you know, destroyed the Marvel Universe altogether, so. Well, the original Secret Wars, this was like 1984 or 1985, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was and, way back there. 
it was a very cynical attempt to get these superheroes together to fight. Uh, well, right. other villains as well, but it was part of a toy. It was it was part of a toy uh, toy deal. They they had some toys coming out, some little action figures, and they needed to have some sort of story. And apparently, Secret was- Wars, uh, you know, was it, it did well in a testing group. You know, so. So, I mean, they were, I, I liked the stories. I liked, I mean, you got Spider-Man's black costume out of that. Oh, sure. You know, I, a, I didn't dislike it. I'm not saying, I, I enjoyed it at the time. Absolutely. I'm just saying, you know, compared to other things that have happened since, it was just, you know, it just was an excuse to, to have stuff happen. I, it was, there were some awesome things that happened in it, but um, it was still, I, I wouldn't put that up there in the top tier. I would not count it as amongst my favorite crossovers. I, it wasn't my favorite, but I would still put it probably in my top ten. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I probably don't have – I might not even have ten favorite crossover events, though, so it's up there. Well, well what, Just because I like the idea of the Beyonder. That that sure. alone, you know, though when he – it became a thing for Secret Wars 2, that was really bad. <laughs> well, so what is your favorite crossover, though? If uh, Maybe this um, is Secret Wars. Maybe I was – maybe I'm – being too I was I was thinking about that, um, and that's a I mean it's a toss up. I I would say there is definitely the um, the Marvel Mutant Massacre that was a big one that was really interesting. You know, there's of course the ones in the films, the Infinity Gauntlet, but I didn't I can't say that I read all of those. They didn't engage me as much in the books. Though the movie, if we were talking movie trilogies, you know, or not well, trilogies, yes. but movie crossovers, that's. That's probably my favorite movie crossover of superheroes anyway. Um, I looked up a couple earlier, and one that I'd forgotten about was the Kree-Skrull War. I hadn't oh, even thought about that as a yeah. crossover because that involved so many. But, I mean, I mean, I would probably say, yeah, the the and of course Civil War, which was another big crossover mm-hmm. that they also put into the films. Um, and that had real ramifications. But I would go back to the that mutant massacre. That was really a big event for me as a big um, X-Factor fan, the results of that um, really mattered. And the fact that it was through all the other books um, in their response to it and actions that involved, you know, just this massacre of mutants. So what I, I that's on my list as well. The mutant massacre one. Um, what was interesting to me was that it, it wasn't, it was a crossover, but not really a team up per se. I, it sure. was almost like, I mean, you had this event that was happening in the Morlocks, basically. They were being slaughtered by this this team of mercenaries, which seemed to be like this the biggest team of mercenaries ever, right? And uh, But we got to see it from the perspective of all these different characters. I mean, there was Thor was involved, but it was also X-Factor, mm-hmm. X-Men, um, Power Pack was involved with it. It was, it was a lot of folks. Um, and they all had a different you know, a real different perspective on it. And and sometimes they weren't sure who were the villains in the situation. Right. Right. And then there's also like at that time, if I'm not mistaken, they were doing this, it might've been an anniversary of Marvel comics, but the covers were like these individual characters for a lot of them. Mm. Do you remember that? No. (laughs) (laughs) That just came to me. I just remember seeing like, there were some really cool covers that were just, that were just kind of like little artboard covers. I, I that tied them to kind of together, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> but there's so, also I, I forgot about the. Um, I believe it was the Extinction Agenda, the one in the '90s that. Oh, where I you agree got, with that. 
uh, where you got cable and you've got, you know, it was kind of, you know, or the age of apocalypse. That was another great one, but that, okay. those were really X books, I think more so than anything else. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that was, that was one thing I was trying to figure out was like what, what counts as really just an extended story arc and what's a real crossover. Cause there was one that I was looking at and they listed, uh, there was a casket of ancient winters story arc in Thor back in the eighties that I absolutely loved. That was during Walt Simonson's uh, run, and it was fantastic. But I, the crossover aspect of it was really pretty minimal. I mean, the Avengers came out and fought some demons that were invading New York. Eh, happens every week. Um, <laughs> I think actually one of the things, the first comic book things that I ever got was um, a Superman versus Spider Man crossover. And this had this was not the first uh, team up between those two. This was with Doctor Doom and the Parasite, but also Wonder Woman and the Hulk was in there, and it was just there was so much good stuff in there. I mean, it was actually because you had Superman faced off against the Hulk, and it was it was a really cool confrontation because it's in, in it Superman's just standing stiff and he's just being immo- immobile while the the Hulk just keeps punching him and punching him and punching him and <laughs> and he just won't move. But then then like right there at the at one point it's sort of like, well, but maybe he the Hulk's getting bad enough to do something. But then Superman resolves the issue. And then there's a great <laughs> there's a great fight with between Wonder Woman and Spider-Man in the dark. Um, but they end up making up without uh, uh you know too much trouble, but but there were some great fights in there. Doctor Doom was really inventive in the way that he dealt with Superman, and I thought the Parasite was a cool character. Uh, I had a great one, but I, I'm going to say this: I'm going to I'm going to pick uh, for my favorite crossover. This one is kind of a weird choice, but there was this uh, big event in DC called Infinite Crisis, and I I don't even know that I read that one, but what they had afterward was a. Uh, a year-long miniseries called 52. And I, I think they've had a couple different versions of 52 since then, but this was the original 52. And it was all about covering a year gap where Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were not around in the world. And they took a bunch of smaller characters who I guess didn't have comic their own series at the time, and they inter- they just sort of inter- intermixed these stories just showing what you know how they were dealing with things in this world. And the the stories kind of overlapped, but the characters didn't really interact. And I, I not directly so much. Um, but I, I just love that kind of. It was it was it was I loved the way that they basically had a world that they were showing in this one comic, that they had multiple heroes and they were just fleshing out the world. And usually, when you would have heroes in the same comic as a series. They would just there would be one story by this character, you know, for this character, another story for this character. But these were all kind of mixed together as as though they were part of, you know, they were cutting away periodically to different storylines uh, that were somehow involved with each other. But but I just love that format. I thought it was a really great way to do it. I think that there was a similar event with um, Civil War that I really liked, where they had a they basically had kind of a news feed. I forget what the name. It was like um, Civil War Frontline or something like that. But it would feature other characters, and they were shorter stories about you know other events kind of going on in parallel to to your major storylines that were in your your established characters, your main characters' uh, stories that were going on at the time. You know, in Civil War, that was a that was a very. I felt that was a I don't know, monumental. It was a very impactful 
you know, crossover event as well. That, that was an excellent one. That was an excellent one. Um, all right. Well, that's some of the crossovers that have, uh, impacted us. So let's, let's get back to talking about our own crossover just after this. Welcome back, True Conceivers, to the Heroic Origins podcast. We have been reviewing the characters that we've come up with uh, over the last six episodes, and we are in the process of brainstorming ideas and ways to uh, do our crossover event, which is, which is upcoming. First thing we're going to do is just talk about the connections, potential connections between all of the characters. And uh, I think the... I think the obvious one right now is the coin collector. That he's a villain that shows up in in uh, I think four, pretty much three or four of the the characters. One's kind of questionable at this point, but uh, the coin collector is instrumental. That's how Penny got her powers. He's kind of a natural she. enemy of Joystick. She, yes, it's a she. She, <laughs> she is immortal, just Thank like you. Anomaly. I mean, sorry, yes, just yeah. like. Um, not anomaly. Uh, Hyaline. Hyaline. That's right. <laughs> and and also, you know, has a similar uh, job description as uh, Anomaly's arch foe. Only she's sure. she's doing it on Earth, and um, but but she but goes around also, collecting. That might what? just be an assumption that we have that she does it on Earth. That's a good point. Where does she get these coins? We don't know. Um, right. And 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 in fact, that she seems to show up. I mean. Joystick was, a, you know, involved in a story about a robot from the future, and we don't know where the whole. We don't really know what the robot story is from the future. You know, all this dystopian, uh, the dystopian future of the robot, uh, that that could actually be like that Galactic Empire the the Farseer is involved with. I, I was thinking that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it can all that can definitely all tie together. Seeing as when he sees Penny, that's what gets him back into the game. The uh, the coin collector, when or the robot joystick sees when joystick stick when joystick joystick sees Penny wonderful, that's what gets him back into the game, right? No, I think we decided that. Well, that was one of the the things. I think that does inspire him a little bit. But what I think really got him going was that he saw financial transactions that were going on that that were signs of the coin collector being active again. Those financial transactions seem to revolve around Penny Wonderful in some fashion. Uh, and so he's investigating that, and he thinks that he may have to strap on his, his old equipment again. I, that's my recollection. Okay, what are your I thoughts? Thought that, I thought that following the financial connections brought him, you know, following, you know, into the coin collector, knowing that he's coming back. But then when he saw Penny... He put two and two together. I oh, that, that was that it was kind of well. A, that's he was uh, coming at it from a different direction, but I, you know, that's that's. I don't think we discussed that, but I like that idea. Let's. I mean, that's that's a great way to go. So that's 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 definitely there. We also have uh, magic. We've got this magic here. We have this culinary magic, which is kind of in the middle. It seems like four of right, the characters, the, the four of the characters, seem to naturally fall together. But I, as, the, the culinary magic one, it's sort of like you have these magical people who are not really heroes per se. They're right. artists. They're artists who have that, – that compete with one another and, and in, in the case of the Baker's Dozen maybe went a little bit in the process. <laughs> 
Um, but one thing that I like about uh, the Saucier Supreme is that she is really concerned about feeding the homeless. And uh, we had talked about that, uh, the food cart. And I figured that that's what she uses the food cart for, was to go out and and not just feed the homeless, but give them kind of experience the magical flavor of these things. Right. And, I, and I was thinking, well, who's homeless in our... In- that gets us right back to Penny Wonderful. Yeah, and and so what you'll have is you'll have Penny Wonderful with this magic coin, which is going to be a curiosity to these these gourmages, um, because it may be a different type of magic than what they're used to. But it, it gets them curious, but it, and and it gets them involved in the story. Um, so it may be kind of a meeting of, and, and we don't know actually for sure if Penny Wonderful's coin is really magical or if it's like cosmic type of thing. That's um, true. I mean, I think it might be a bit of a easy way to go would just be to say that, you know, it's like, you know, the Infinity Stones, it's the yeah. Infinity Coin, and everyone's looking for it. But how much of that stuff kind of blends together, you know, the magic yeah. versus the cosmic powers, you know, I mean, they're kind of true, the same true. thing, in a, you know, with just different names. So, um, and also, what, what do you think about the possibility that Anomaly actually somehow caused uh, the cosmic... Uh, Ray bombardment that that turned uh, Highline into Highline. That's that would be interesting because then he it would folds. be a matter of oh, because he folds space and time, right? And so that was our alarm, Highline, by the way. Right, Highline <laughs> being an, a scientist though would uh would recognize like that's the energy signature that I've been searching for. Maybe Highline's trying to undo what's been done to him too. Well I can't help but the thing about Highline is Highline doesn't even have to be old for it to happen because his his power is folding space and time. Right? So he could have actually oh, done something oh. that retroactively turned this guy, you know, that actually reached out to the past and and turned him into the thing, you know? Oh yeah. Anyway Actually, I, I haven't thought of him bending time. Honestly, I've just been thinking of him as you know being able to travel great distances, being a pocket dimension. Well, but that if he's inherently late time inherently then the whole dystopian future. So these things, yeah. So these are connections right there. So these are okay. So let's let's go into our brainstorming story ideas. <laughs> so okay. that was I don't know the alarm thing. I don't know if it works as well with this 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 process, but. Um, but I mean, right there. I mean, those are connections that we can build off of. Let's see. The Baker's dozen, though. I feel like they're the only ones. The the only connection they really have right now is uh, the Saucier Supreme. It feels like. Right, and I think we were talking earlier off mic, and uh, we were talking about that they are really just pretty chaotic. They aren't necessarily yeah. an evil band of ne'er do wells. They're they're just chaotic because they have these minds that have been melded together. Yeah. They're schizophrenic. I mean, they've got they got thirteen brains in, in six bodies. Right, right. But I don't know. I mean, does that lead them to connections with these other characters? I, you know, I. I can't, by the way, I'll have to say this. I want to see Doe Puncher punching Highline <laughs> <laughs> and shattering whatever shield or whatever or whatever he's got. You know, it just feels like it's going to happen. Um, but we've also got, you know, storyline though wise, we're we're looking at the power set, you know, because um, right. Cookie Cutter, think about what Cookie Cutter could do to somebody. Cookie Cutter might, he can actually divide people 
you know, how would that affect somebody like, uh, you know, Highline, for instance? Well, how would that affect someone like Anomaly? <laughs> yeah, that might be dangerous. That could be crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a possibility. We, but let's just think of future stories we could go with. I mean, this dystopian future. I mean, we could have we could certainly have joystick actually transported to the future at some point. We could, with Highline, we could you know we could somehow go into the past so that we go back to what you know he was. We can see what he was like. We we have an idea that he was originally a pretty nasty fella, and so it might be you know makes sense to go back in time and see what that was all about. And if somebody knows his past, they may not trust him at all. That's right. In fact, they may lose trust for him once they've, you know, if they get teleported back and see what he used to be like. See, I mean, figuratively speaking, since he's <laughs> invisible. There's also stories where, you know, whether or not the Galactic Empire reaches Earth, they can, um, you know, you could be teleported to the Galactic Empire and see what they're, you know, what they're really like. And we're assuming that this robot from Joystick's past was actually had some altruistic reason to come back. What if it was just a member of this galactic empire? You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it could be. We don't. Yeah, we we can't know for sure what the. I mean, Joystick is pretty positive or feel, felt like the robot was altruistic, but it, but it did kind of turn him into a cyborg against his will, right? So right, and it may just, just be you know. He's a beacon on Earth. Could be. or But then again, it could be that the robots were fighting against the Galactic Empire. You know, maybe that that's too, what it that was. Too. So, so, I mean, these coins, you know, I mean, the coins are a big thing. These are these, are these clearly powerful artifacts, or we know one of them is, the, the coin that Penny exactly. Wonderful has. But we, so we have to kind of assume that the, is, is the coin collector just like a coin fetishist? Is it that they're all magical, or are they like, does he have like a technological coin? You know, maybe well, he's... Got we're calling him the we're calling her the coin collector. Jeez, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's I don't know. We're stuck on that. We keep uh, but we say coins, but maybe that's just what she's known as here. But she's actually you know a an alien or you know from the future uh-huh. or from the you know who knows what who's been collecting things antiquities. I mean that would you know intergalactic antiquities that. Everybody's after. You know, we've had we've had discussions about who the coin collector is, the identity of the coin collector, and uh, there are some possible big surprises in store for that. So, um, but that's that's definitely yeah, the possibilities there uh, could be somebody from history, you know, a well known person from history. True, because they're immortal. They they've been around a while. All right, we have reached the end of our second time period here. So. Okay, let's just let's just talk about let's talk about the format, uh, the possible formats that we're going to do for a crossover event. You know, one possible thing was to to come up with a full story and just narrate it all the way through, just sort of read it to right. you, um, just tell a story. Yeah, just tell a story. <laughs> uh, we had talked a little bit about a radio play where we would bring in actors to actually act out uh, some of those roles, and that can be really fun. You've Dave works with a number of other people who do this acting and this acting thing. Yes. It's acting this thing. strange, strange <laughs> acting thing. Um, yeah. So I, I know some folks that, it, you know, it's a question of whether we can pull them together. We, this will be the first time we've done it. And uh, if we're trying to stay on, uh, on time with the, with how frequently we post, then we got to take that into consideration. True. 
Um, so that comes like, do we want to script the characters or just have them improvise things in the middle of whatever we're narrating? Because I'm thinking that, you know, sort of a hybrid approach. We narrate and then we have some. So we have some scenes that are acted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. That that would probably be the best and most economical use of time, unless yeah. we wanted to significantly delay our our final product. I think. Yeah. So so I think that we're we're probably going to do that. We're probably going to narrate uh, more or less a full story, um, mm-hmm. but we're going to have a couple key scenes that'll be acted out. I think that sounds really exciting, Dave. I think that there are going to be some really. I, I'm looking forward to hearing Midnight Diamond. That's <laughs> Midnight Diamond. That's your that's your number one thing you want to hear. Midnight Diamond. This I want is, to know what Midnight because it sounds like an '80s metal song. <laughs> Midnight Diamond. Diamond. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shatters glass with a, that yes. high note. Yeah. <laughs> so all of this after all of this of. Um, the slight, the, the 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 last character we came up with in the last show is the one you're most excited about, even though it's a side <laughs> character. We didn't even come up with him fully in that show. We just developed him today. Okay, well, but his name is Midnight Diamond. That's, that's a cool name. A, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's just, anyway, I, I, I think that's the most coveted role. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play Midnight Diamond, Terrence? I I don't think that I've got the chops to play Midnight Diamond. You don't think so? Come on, come on, <laughs> no, just. Uh, no. Come on, let's let's let, let's do a let's do a run through here. Um, here I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Highline. And it's like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something, and then you're going like, I will shatter you. Okay, so I'm gonna say, it's me, Highline. I'm invisible and fragile. Highline, I will shatter you. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 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 tune in uh, next episode to find out if if Terrence and I end up playing roles. Well, I don't know. Maybe we should just do this. What's the okay? Quick, Penny, wonderful. <laughs> she's she's like. Okay. Uh, oh wait, she's not British. I'm thinking of like. I'm gonna Oliver, hit you with my. Her. I'm gonna hit you she's with my slingshot. What and then we got so joystick. Mighty. We got joystick, which is just sort of like <laughs> video away, video on. <laughs> Give me some. I need some more coins. And then you've got the Saucier Supreme, which is uh, I don't speak French. You're gonna have to do her. Oh yeah, wee wee wee. Je ne sais quoi. Okay, I can speak that much French. Okay, <laughs> and then we've French got that we've got the baker's dozen, which is going to be like, hmm, I'm made of dough and I'm stretchy and I'm uh, I'm I'm roly poly and <laughs> I can bake things. Wait, what did you say? What did you say? Why these all these voices in my brain? They're just calling me. They're just calling to me and driving me crazy. <laughs> That's my impression of them. And then um, we've got Anomaly, who is our antiques show guy. And he's like, oh, well, look at this. It looks valuable. Valuable. Mm, I'm folding on myself like I'm constipated. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've got Highline, which, well, you already heard my impression of Highline. (laughs) Well, I think he would sound a bit older. (laughs) Just a bit slow, old, like, oh. Wait, wait, he stopped aging. What do you mean? He's, he's I know. Just... Well, I mean, he's immortal, but I feel like he's still old. He's like, I've been around since the dawn of time. 
uh, cracked and old. He might cranky. So yeah, he's been shattered. His body's been shattered for most of that time. So yeah, he's yeah maybe Get off of my lawn. That's that's right. That's right. Get off of my crystal lawn. I have built it. Yeah, it's like there's an accent of some sort. So I don't know. Uh, but we've got. <laughs> Uh, okay, you, you, quick, what's your version of Joystick's Robot from the Future? <laughs> be nice if we had a name for this guy, Robot from the Future. Come with me if you want to survive. I mean, he's got to okay. be, like, there more archaic than the Terminator. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then the Farseer has got to be, like, totally new age and stuff. It's like, we will conquer you. We will be one. You will be one with us. We shall all be together. <laughs> okay okay everybody we'll see you at the next episode uh hero smithers keep on hero smithing this has been the heroic origins podcast <laughs>